Socialites, that's you. You're the socialites because you listen to the Social Studies podcast. Will that stick? We don't know. Couple things for you. First of all, as always, go ahead and text 1313-251-1036. Text me the word pod so you can go to my podcast group and I can text you and you can text me and you can uh, get cool podcast stuff when I'm ready to give it out. Or... What you can do right now is you can text the word show to 1313-251-1036 because the Back to School Comedy Show is coming up Sunday, September 13th. Get your tickets. It's a virtual comedy event, so it's open to the entire world. So if you're listening to this, you can go. There's no capacity restrictions, and you're watching it from your own home, so you don't have to wear your mask. How about that? I'm doing some... I guess, virtual stand-up for you guys. I wrote some sketches that are pre-recorded that we put in there. We're going to play some games for some dope-ass prizes. Meet me there for the virtual back-to-school comedy show on September 13th. Again, if you want tickets, text SHOW to 1-313-251-1036 or text POD to 1-313-251-1036 to be in the podcast group. Or you can get tickets at www.mrdtimes3.com. Get them, get them, get them. I have an amazing guest on for you guys today, Dr. Zeisner. She has the title of That Funny Professor on TikTok, which is actually how I met her. Uh, I met her through TikTok, and then I fell down this entire rabbit hole of all things her. She was an elementary principal for years and teacher. And sure enough, we've spoke at the same conferences before, but never met because we were always on, you know, the next day from each other, which is so crazy. Extremely, extremely extremely funny woman and so passionate and dedicated for the field of education. I cannot wait for you guys to meet her in this episode. You're going to see that her knowledge for education is just beyond. And she's literally Canadian female me in terms of how she brings that all to funny. I could continue going for days, but I'm not going to. You guys, this is the Social Studies Podcast with Dr. Katherine Zeisner. Try to catch me howling at the Listen, my new BFF, like, I don't know what it is. I keep having amazing Canadians on the show and I got another one and not, we're not internet buddies. We're IRL buddies. I have Doc Z, Dr. Zeisner on the show. Hey doc, what's up? Hi, Mr. D. How are you? I'm great. But so you were just telling me that you're also in a little fitness regime. Yeah. COVID's been good. I'm down 27 pounds. I've stopped most sugar. I haven't had like much alcohol. I've been walking every day. I'm really, really proud of myself. And, and it's just allowed me more time to focus on it. I mean, I'm proud of you too. Yeah. Um, the fans and I, they understand that we're going through like a little moment. I'm yeah. calling myself a salad bitch because yes. COVID, you know, there's a freshman 15. Your boy did like a COVID. <laughs> round down to like a 17. Yeah. Um, so I'm a what salad bitch doing? now. What were oh. you doing? Just like eating, like emotionally eating. Yeah. So um, basically all the habits of a bear, 
was what <laughs> I was doing. Lots of downtime in a nice little hole with tons of high caloric food coming into my mouth. And yes. then my favorite thing to do after that is sit. Right. So, right. So that caught up to me, which I, but then I started to realize how disappointed I was because when Morgan and I met, I was working out two times a day. I was a spin instructor, doc. Really? Yeah. I mean, do you put it past me? No, because I think you would have been a really fun one and, a, and crazy and got us all really excited. That was my MO and I missed it. So Morgan yeah. and I bought a bike. I'm a salad bitch now and I feel great too. Yeah. Did you find that well, it was once I started to be able to go and see some people and put on pants, because literally I've been in track pants or pajama bottoms for, uh, you know, almost 200 days. It mm -hmm. was idea of most people said once they started wearing normal clothes again, they realized their middle had expanded. You know what? It? Of course. But the thing that really did it for me, I have now what I refer to as bus driver arm. <laughs> Right. So when I like wave, take and I'm off. Like, yeah. right. Bye kids. Have a great day. I got this lovely little satchel of pudding yeah. below Welcome my bicep. Wait that till you're 50. Wait till you're a 50 year old woman. Trish, Trish, Trish is going to have to be super careful. Girl, I like literally Trish is going to have to be super careful. She's going to have to quit smoking is what <laughs> needs to happen. <laughs> yeah. And it. maybe less makeup investment and more Peloton investment. Oh, oh God. Can I give you my little secret too? Yeah. You might, you might be down for this. Do you like spinning? Like, do you I like love, on a bike? love cycling? It's so good for your knees and your heart. And yeah. You have a bike. I have a road bike that I ride, but I really, really oh. Peloton, but I don't have five no. to invest in it. Here, girl, I'm going to give you the hookup right now. Okay. I'm balling on a fucking budget, baby. Right. Okay, like, good. Let's I, I am a teacher through and through. I know how to make a dollar stretch. I know how to go into the Target dollar spot and decorate your room like you're at fucking Disney World. For 10 bucks, I'm like yeah. so foul right now. It's yeah. okay. For 10 bucks, for 10 bucks. So don't buy the Peloton bike. That thing's $2,000. Yeah, buy yourself minimum. a Schwinn. It's $500. So you're saving 1500. And okay. all you do is you get the Peloton subscription and you put your iPad right in front of it. Your bike won't connect to the classes, but you're saving a shitload of money. So that's Does what I do. Does the Schwinn have a portable place for the bike to sit? So I'm indoor biking still? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. It's, a, it's, it's not a, you can't like take it off. It is a stationary app. Okay, that's bike. what I want. That's what I yeah. want. You're saying website, Schwinn website. Oh, don't even go to the website. I'll get, the, I'll send you the link after Give this. Give me the link. We'll like, okay, good. Okay, good. You'll love it. I, so I will I, buy it today. <laughs> yes, we can yeah. do this together. We can take the same classes. I was going to say, can people still join up and do things together? And we could challenge, like if you and I did like a 30 day challenge against each other, who could do the miles or something? 100%. The only thing is like people through Peloton, if they're in the class in real time, would not be able to like see our success because we balled on a budget and they are like probably realtors or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I don't care about them seeing our success. I just want to see my own success. Girl, I just want to see these bye-bye arms drip <laughs> like butter yeah. off my body. I love the front cut. Cycling does that for me. It gives me a front cut. Ah, uh, yeah, that front yeah. cut. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I wanted to have you on the show today for a okay. couple reasons. Biggest reason, I feel like we're cut from the same cloth. Yes. Um, you're a, more than a teacher, and you have some like incredible credentials, but you're also literally the funniest when i found you as like this one 
is keeping me laughing through and through. Can you give us who are you? What's yeah. the background? Why the hell are you here? <laughs> so first of all, I think a lot of people know that I am Catherine Zeisner, the Canadian, but I, who was and is a Canadian educator who was a teacher for a long time, many different subjects and classes, and then moved into administration for a long time, but knew that I really enjoyed working with teachers. So I went and got a doctorate so that hopefully at some part of my career, I could be teaching in higher ed teachers before they got into schools. And so I was for a while, a principal during a day and, and a professor at night. And it was a great experience because I would have this full day of handling situations in a school and then drive to the local university and go and say to 800 kids, you will not believe what happened to me today. And I just loved the experience. Um, and I said to my family, would you mind if I explored doing higher ed full time? And they said yes, and we're very supportive of that. And I got this beautiful full time tenure track job here in Spokane, Washington, as a professor here at Gonzaga in their School of Education, working with doctoral and, and graduate students. And I've been doing that for a couple of years and love it and been going back and forth, working with our Canadian cohorts and American cohorts and learning more about education. But part of Gonzaga's mission is that you still do a lot of community service. So at nighttime, I get to go and be a principal, kind of like flipped my day and work with local leaders here and problem solve with them and do some um, systematic planning, et cetera. COVID hits. I'm now stuck in my pajamas teaching online. Um, but one of the things I always did as a leader was try and understand what kids were going through. So anytime anything new happened in the world, Snapchat hits, I download Snapchat because I want to understand what Snapchat streaks are. Because why are kids hiding in our bathrooms with their cell phones? And when we say get out of the bathroom, they go into complete meltdown that their streaks have been stopped. I needed to understand where that was coming from. Well, this TikTok video starts popping on my, I don't know, Facebook page or something. I download it knowing I needed to talk TikTok when we all got back together. Loved it, made me laugh, made me cry. But as someone who loves social media and loves technology, I started to make my own videos so I could understand the process. How hard is it? How do you integrate this beautiful music? And um, just tried all the elements, made some funny videos of just myself sad here alone, um, you know, 2,400 miles away from my family in Ontario. And a few of my videos were very popular. And I got a few people giggling at some of the things I was doing. Um, but my friends pulled me aside and said, you know, you're, you've got some really great principal stories and there's a lot of teachers on there. Why don't you start telling some of your principal stories? And that hit. People started following. People started resonating with it. They started, whatever, whoever you are, a kid would say, oh my goodness, it happened to me. A parent would say, oh my goodness, that's my child. A teacher would say, you're absolutely right. Administrators would say, that's my day completely. And people who don't understand would say, is that for real? And all of a sudden, I really felt that I had a voice again, that TikTok has created for me that moment every day where I used to walk into the staff room of the school and everybody's sitting around casually and we problem solve together. And I just felt I'm reaching a bigger audience of people to help them understand education. And then TikTok has these lives every night that I get to do where we now problem solve one big problem together as a, as a community. Dude, wait, wait, pause. Yeah. Your, your lives 
I can't figure out the lives because <laughs> I, I think in order to get like lives to work on TikTok really well, you have to have consistency, a plan yes. and, a and like, and a topic and a message. And when I tune into your lives, which do you do them every night? Every night about 4.30 to about 6.30. That's a, that's a great time slot. But yeah. every time I pop into yours, I can't get my head off of the fact that it is literal PD. Like these teachers who are in there sh- could literally clock these hours if their district lets them because you're just keeping it so raw and real and your topic are just so on point. And I, I love that you're genuine, you're authentic, you're sitting there in your everyday clothes, you're eating popcorn and you're talking about these real education topics. What's yeah. been like your favorite or most inspiring one that you've done so far? The, the big one for me was we did a whole, we've done, we've done many. And what I do afterwards is I make a Pinterest board of all the resources that we've brainstormed so that when someone comes in another day, we can say, that topic, we have so much for you and we move them to the Pinterest board. I do a lot of the topics from people DMing me and say, will you talk about this topic? Mm. Mom reached out and said, my high schooler is not engaged in virtual learning. What are some things that we as moms can do to get our kids to be re excited about high school and virtual learning? And it blew up huge. What happens is I propose the topic in the live and then all the people in there, and I'm talking parents, students, teachers, um, people in other vocations, just give me idea after idea and website and app and book and resource. And I'm writing feverishly. I have this awesome book that I write everything down in. And then I just take the list that we generate and I put it into the Pinterest board. But what it did for me was as someone who loves online teaching and have students who are really engaged because these are adults paying an atrocious amount of money, you know, to become superintendents or directors. I realized when it's a choice for high school kids, we do have to make it very creative and engaging. And the next thing you know, I learned 50 new apps that exist, five more resources that are available to families. And then more importantly, how parents can support the school, which can support the child. Mm. Was my favorite night We did one on anxiety, which was phenomenal. Teacher anxiety, parent anxiety, student anxiety. We did one on ADHD supports. Girl, I should have been there for that one. It was, was, my other favorite one was a music teacher said, can you help me come up with virtual supports to teach music online? Well, a drama teacher came in, a phys ed teacher came in, and um, a a dance teacher came in. So those non-content area subject teachers felt that they were just as respected, just as important. And again, here's a gazillion ways to make your subject come alive for your students. And just every night, I just, we sort of finish, I go to the Pinterest, I make the board and I feel so inspired that I know that some students are gonna get some rich learning, but then we have this great resource area for people to access 24 seven whenever they want. I love that. And yeah. and I noticed you've done a couple that are very parent specific because yes. you have so many parents who I feel like as a parent, not as a parent, but like a parent must feel like this. Um, when you have to like go into your own kid's teacher face to face and talk to them about some of this stuff, it's it got, it, there's so much pressure there for you to be this perfect parent. And there really shouldn't be. So I think what you're doing is you're, you're kind of being these parents sounding boards for ideas that they can take to their kid's teachers, but not like be, you know, 
obtrusive and make the teacher feel like the parent knows everything that's going on. Like they're seeking knowledge in other ways. And I've never seen anything like that before. So I think really what you're doing is kind of revolutionary here. Thank you. I'm just, one of the things that happened to me when I was a principal was I started to really feel that people didn't see me as a person. Mm -hmm. Often used to tell people, listen, I'm a person, not a position. And a lot of families come to the office with preconceived notions about what a principal is or what the principal's office is. And often there's lots of scared, nervous, anxious, negative feelings about a principal. I want to tear that down. We are great people. We are people first. We're problem solvers. We're resource givers. And I just wanted to put the face to what a real principal is these days. And I know that everyone out there is trying to do the same thing, which is I just want to help. Please don't be afraid. Please don't bring your past schooling feelings as a parent into the office. School has changed. Even in the last three to five years, school has changed dramatically. Um, So I did a sort of a bit of a rant one day about CSS people first. And that really resonated with a lot of people. And then I thought, I need to walk the talk with, with parents. And even if it's that they feel less intimidated, that they feel they understand some of the lingo. And this is why I started this Ada Zeisner project every day, brainstorming educational jargon that we use so parents can understand what some of the verbiage is that we're using. Because often in meetings, we're throwing words out, we're throwing acronyms out, and it's not respectful. It's not fair to families. And often I think they're pretending they know what's happening, but inside they're feeling um, embarrassed or judged. And I don't want anyone to ever feel that way anymore. And so it's just really allowed, I think, everyone to just take a little bit of a step back, let's slow down, and let's work together. My big message is we all need to work together. I teach a course here on leadership and community, and it's this idea of student, family, and community. We must work together. That's how schools are these days. We're the police office. (laughs) We're the nurse's office. We're the social worker office. And we want you to feel that you can come to us for a variety of resources and supports. And that's kind of the live. You know, I read, um, I'll give you the author later, but there's this notable author who spoke a lot about, they care a lot, a lot about personal appearance as the educator. I'm talking suits, ties, the whole gamut. Part of something else that they said too is like teachers should even like constantly have their nails done so that when you're shaking hands, you, uh, you know, you're showing that you care about your fingers when you're shaking hands. And me personally, I couldn't disagree with any of that more because I noticed early on in my career, I like abided by that. I was a tie wearer to school. And then I started to realize who are you? Like, if you come into these meetings and you're dressed like that, these parents are going to think, who is this trying to be better than me? And that's not the case. So I did dress like myself a little bit more. Now I'm not talking my street wear. I'm talking business casual, but what I would wear is that, you know? And, uh, I truly felt that my parents saw me more as a person who was relatable, that the shoulders relaxed a little bit. And it's just those little things because the fact of the matter is parents and teachers, you're a team, baby. It's it's not one. If it's just coming one way, it's not going to work. Like if it's just coming from the teacher, that's only 50% of the work. And if it's just coming from parent, that's only 50% of the work. Everything and anything you can do to have the parent 
work with you as a team is important. And I'm, I'm saying exactly what you just said could not be any more true. Yeah. And I find I get a lot of questions from teachers about how do I feel about teachers with tattoos or how do I feel about teachers with colored hair or how do I feel about teachers with tights? And my answer is always the same. Do you care for kids? Awesome. I don't care what you look like, what you dress like. Dude, you literally just sent chills. I literally have goosebumps right now. That needs to be heard. There's a, I'm still furious with what a TikTok is a beautiful teacher. Oh, she's so talented. Gets an email from her administrator saying, don't forget, you can't have blue hair when you return because it's unprofessional. And she just makes this TikTok where she walks out to her pool and drops in the pool. And she literally cut and paste the district rules for teacher attire and dress and appearance. And I just, this is, this is how I feel about it. Someone's got too much time on their hands. Girl. Yes. I'm not. Do I care if you have something racist or violent on your shirt? Absolutely. But if you are coming to school authentically yourself, and that is showing kids that you are approachable, that you are with it, that you feel you want to um, be creative, I want you on my team. Yep. Um, do I love people in suits and ties? Sure, but there's a time and place for that. If we're having a memorial, if it's a Remembrance Day situation, if it's, the, if it's picture day, there's a time and place to jazz it up. That's really fun too. But I just learned very quickly that when I dressed up for theme days, when I didn't have the high, high heel shoes on and the jacket, the, the barometer of the school just dropped a little bit about the tents and anything we can do to help schools just reduce that sense of anxiety and panic and fear. And the principal is here as opposed to here comes Mrs. Eisner in her, in her hockey Jersey high five. It's such a more pleasant experience. You know what it is too. I say this a lot, you know, as a gay man, I feel like it's important to be myself in the classroom because children are going to encounter gay people as they, their entire life, they're going to come across that. So I think that me being my authentic self gives them a leg up when they're a college freshman and meet a gay student for the first time. They're like, Oh, I have this teacher. He was gay. He was awesome. Like you could be awesome too. Or, you know, he was gay. Maybe he wasn't, he was a dick to me, but also he cared about me a lot. So I don't have hostility towards gay people. And it's the same thing with everything else. You know, you know, you're going to come across some people who look a little more metal and punk rock. They're not bad people, but if we're doing that thing about dressing up, we're telling our students to judge a book by its cover instead of setting them up for success. And you and I understand why some places feel they need to represent that. Mm -hmm. But that's not, what 97% of the children are experiencing in public school. And I just, I don't care what people are. I care about who you are. Who are you as a person? It truly is about seeing you from the inside and your external, you know, it's, it's, it's a regalia. I love it when people have something on them and you have to understand, you know, we have phys ed teachers who need to be comfortable. We have teachers of second language who need to represent the culture in which they're teaching. We have history teachers who want to dress in costume. We need to embrace that because that's called student engagement. That's called passion and that's called authenticity. So there's a time and place for, for jazzing up, but there's also a place to embrace uniqueness and creativity and a way to reach your students. 
Um, and as RuPaul would say, uh, <laughs> you, <laughs> charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. That's correct. That's um, correct. So you and I did a little bit of a series on TikTok, which was a smash hit. We yeah. still have a couple more to come out, but your boy got caught up with Summer. Well, um, well a, a sinkhole. That's much. The sinkhole in my parents' backyard is literally going to be the death of me. They're they're like not concerned. I will also go on the record to say that I have a huge crush on your dad. I will be one of those people <laughs> saying, not only do I love your mom for ignoring you and just talking to her friends while you were booty shaking, but I have a huge crush on your dad. Okay, so that you literally, the first time I put my dad on the internet, you didn't even DM me. You straight up text me, you're like, your dad. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, people tell me this and I'm just like, I don't see it, but if people can think about me like that when I'm 65, congratulations. It's his birthday today. Oh, congrats, Daddy. Yeah. yeah. Daddy, oh my God. <laughs> Doc Z up in this. So we had a little um, a little series. vignettes, like a yeah. series, if you will, of um, teacher interviews. Because I know you're very passionate about first year teachers, and so am I. And all I've, teachers, yeah. I've sat on um, so many interview panels, and so have you. So yes. we kind of took our spin on horror stories that we've seen <laughs> of people interviewing along the way. Which originally, I think you and I thought that people would understand the humor right away, but kind of some people were like. I don't think people were offended, but I think people were questioning like, why is this bad or why is this wrong? Yeah. So for those of you who aren't familiar, the series was called How Not to Interview. And <laughs> Doxy played the principal and I played the candidate. And there are all these different series of, you know, true things that happen when people are interviewing and not to do them. And we yes. kind of wanted to give you a little bit of a rundown on, you know, what we meant by these and give you a little bit of advice if you're applying for a new job or especially if you're a first year let's start with the first one the was it the crier the past the one who was so all of the the whole series is the fact that you and i took the type of person we see and just exaggerated it so we want a candidate who's very passionate but that particular person went from a to z really quickly so she was the who the the crier yep yeah so do we mind people crying in interview? Absolutely not. You're nervous, you're anxious, you're passionate, you're excited. It was the fact that they never answered the question. And you and I are very, very particular about the fact that those are questions that I've asked in interviews. And all of the ones we've shown so far, the question never gets answered. And so we just want to help our future candidates recognize, listen carefully to the question, take a second if you wanna write it down to collect your thoughts, and then frame your answer. I always like to use the, the term people, process, and plant. Frame your answer from the perspective of how is this supporting students? What are sort of the policies, procedures, or curriculum associated with it? And what's the learning environment you want to provide for that answer? And we just want you to be able to shorten your answers down and be able to address all three of those things every time in a mature and concise way. Your character often goes way over the top and there's no need to go over the top there's just you at no point do you really ever talk about students or their learning or the environment that you're creating and i want to hear that i want to i want to feel it and i want to see it 
But I also, it's really important you answer the question. 100%. And you got to keep your shit together. You got to show that you can keep it together because you're going to have 30 balls of protein in front of you who never do what you want them to do. And how are you going to handle that? Also, I need to find out who this quote is actually from because I use it all the time and it's definitely not mine. That teachers make more minute by minute split decisions than a brain surgeon. Could not be more true. So in your interview, you have to show that you can answer the question. It's okay to stop and ask, like, I just need a minute, but then get to it very quickly to show that you can answer these questions spot on and keep your cool. Like, can you keep your cool? Because if you're not cool, those kids are off the walls, baby. And that we hear that you can juggle three things, that you're thinking of kids, you're thinking of curriculum, and you're thinking of the environment. And you're thinking of what's coming next. Yeah. And people often ask me, what do you want in a candidate? And that I have one thing and one thing only, that you're coachable. So I want to hear some humility. I want to hear that you asked for help. I want to hear that you implemented suggestions. But how are you presenting yourself to be a little bit vulnerable as well so that I can coach you? I will pick a brand new person out of college who's never even done a substitution day over someone who comes in and is cocky and, and, you know, not passionate and doesn't appear to need my help. I would much rather have someone who says, I tried this and it didn't work, but I spoke to my mentor teacher and then I tried this the next time and it worked well. What I hear is coachable. And that's the kind of person you need to present in a school Because it's about lifelong learning. You get 30 new little faces every day or 30 new faces every year or 30 new faces every subject. You need to be very, very flexible and coachable. You know, one of the things that um, I had some very amazing mentors when I was applying for my first jobs and I did this a few times and it worked really well for me. Your first year teaching, you're going to get some questions that you were not prepared for and that's okay. You should talk about what you know about that subject, but it's always great to say, you know, that's what I know about this. But if I'm being completely honest with you, I, this is an area that I feel like I could use a little bit more professional development. So my plan going in would be to seek out internal professional development opportunities in this specific category. And that's going to show exactly what you said. Humility, you know what you know, but girl, you know what you don't know. And being able to identify that is huge. Yeah. And then I also hear collegiality. I also hear collaboration. Uh, You know, I also hear that you recognize teaching is very lonely, but it doesn't need you're saying it without saying it. Yeah. Which we're going to we're going to get into that in just a minute, too. But the next one we did is the lifer. Now, let me tell you guys what in an interview, you got to get to what you got to get to in a fraction of a second. So cut the bullshit. No one wants to hear it. And I'm, I'm just I'm selling it to you like it is. The lifer is this person who starts her questions with I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. I used to play school with my brothers and sisters. I would make them be the students. And I was, of course, this starring role of teacher. It's like, uh, okay, you hear that one time every single interview session. Do you not? Yes, for sure. And that's important to know that this is your dream, but I don't need to hear the whole story. And not because I'm being disrespectful, Two things about interviews. Often I only have 20 to 30 minutes and I want to get to know you deeply and there's so much more I want to ask and you're taking up your own time. And if you're on a panel interview in which there are more than one candidate there, you're being disrespectful to your other interviewees. 
So it is about being concise. And so this is why I always say, what's your framework? What's your framework? How are you considering people, process, and plant? And so you can easily answer that and say, I'm so excited to be here. This is my dream. Da, 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 da. Put that whole story into one phrase. And if we're rolling our eyes, if we're checking our watches, if we're not taking notes, if, if, we're, if we say to you, holy smokes, we still have four questions and there's only 10 minutes left, you are being too long-winded. You are not answering the question and you're not being concise. And we're trying to get to know you so much. And that's- Tell me that you played school at home. Right. So get to what you got to get to. We all know, we understand. And the other thing too, the big thing that pops up for me here is uniqueness. That phrase, not unique. Literally every school has heard it. Every principal has heard it. Everyone's heard it. So that's not giving you a leg up. So why would you waste your precious moments saying something that's not going to make you stand out and give you a leg up? Cut it. Just get to the question. My favorite thing when people ask for advice is to ask how much research did they do on the school or the district in which they're interviewing or the community. Yeah. If you can link that to your answers, such as, you know, I've been working in a rural district for a long time, but I've always wanted to move and work in an urban situation like your building. I hear, wow, they took the time to prepare. Wow. They're looking to expand their abilities. Wow. They want to understand diversity in a different demographic. So the trick, the, the trick is to still bring that passion forward, but with a reason and that you've spent time even just looking at the website and saying, oh, I see that you have, you teach Spanish here. I've never been in a school that teaches Spanish. I'm excited to understand the Spanish culture better. Check. I hear passion. I hear enthusiasm. I hear, you know, lifelong learner. So it's the people that walk in and expect it who become very long-winded and long-winded means you're going to waste parents' time too. You can't get to your point and teachers, uh, parents stop listening after about eight seconds. Mm-hmm. Also trying to listen from a parent perspective, can you get to the point about my child's learning when I ask you a very direct question? Uh, you know, how's my child's reading level? So it's, we're listening for your behaviors from a parent perspective as well. Great example of this too. Um, the most, the last job that I had um, was actually in a dual language education setting. So it was uh, a Spanish speaking school for dual language. And do I speak Spanish? No. no, I do not. And this interview came up like out of nowhere. It, they literally called me and they're like, we have a slot for you. It's today. And I was like, okay, what school is it for? Blah, blah, blah. Out of the minimal research that I was able to do, I saw that it was a dual language Spanish speaking school. I had zero base knowledge about dual language education and what that meant, but I knew it was exciting and it was something that I wanted to do. So in my interview, of course, they asked if I spoke Spanish. And I said, you know what? No, I haven't been speaking Spanish, but in preparation for this job, my partner Morgan is fluent in Spanish and I've already asked him if he would speak Spanish to me one hour a day, every day until the start of school to maybe freshen up some of my skills that I used to have. And boom, they were like, they even told me they're like, that was one of the things that got you the job. Because I was like, what can I do that's outside? You know, I could read about dual language all day. I could understand it until school starts. But like, what's the most important thing about being a dual language teacher is 
uh, being able to keep up with that language. Hello. Yeah. Or use or saying, oh, I just downloaded Duolingo and I'm going an hour a night. So then I hear, oh, investment, technology, second language. Yeah. Yep. Answers to all of those. The next one we had was the jargon thrower. This one was my fave. And I have some, I have some personal thoughts on this that I'm going to unleash on you. I definitely want to hear your side of the story first. The jargon thrower is that person who goes into the interview. And we all know that in order to be a teacher, you might as well have minored in the second language of teaching because we still have so many acronyms and sayings and phrases that are just, they're foreign to the average ear. And the jargon thrower is the person who's just spitting out these references left and right with no real direction or understanding for them. And it happens every time we interview. Doc Z, what do you think? Yeah, same thing. Again, they're not answering the question and it's not contextual. So that particular question I asked you was about parents. At no point should the word metacognition come out with parents or your learning center or your Lego wall or all that stuff that you talked about. What I would have wanted to hear would have been things about maybe apps that you would want to communicate with parents with. So you didn't even answer the question and you chose words that have nothing to do with parenting. Do I want to hear that you understand assessment and diagnostic formative and summit assessment? Do I expect to hear that? Absolutely. Do I expect to hear you talk about instructional strategies? Absolutely. But those are scientific researchy words. You're not going to use those when discussing parents. So time and place and context to me is the most appropriate thing. And really there's only probably top 10 words that you would ever share with a parent. Totally. And you're being disrespectful. You know, you're talking a language that they don't understand. You make them feel less than they are. You're not working with the parent. And you're not focused on student curriculum and plan. I've got to go back to that framework. I'm going to flip this one a little bit too, because I'm going to flip this on the side of the district and the interviewers. Now, I had a big problem with this one too, because I actually had a job that I interviewed for probably like my first, I've worked in four different districts. I don't know if I ever told you that. So yeah. I'm kind of, and, and also- many states, yeah. And many states. I pride myself on my interview skills. But one of my first- few within my first five years I applied for a job that I didn't get and you can actually ask for your notes if you got the balls to ask for them but you can ask for the notes that uh, they have on you to be better for next time and um this job that I didn't get this district actually had the exact phrases and uh jargon and acronyms that they wanted to hear within your answer to a specific question now to me how pigeonholing is that like it's like but the 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 one that I didn't answer with what they wanted to hear I actually basically said the definition of exactly what that was but I didn't use the key phrase or or the acronym that they wanted so I didn't get the points unquote unquote for that section and frankly I think that's kind of bullshit because when we look for new teachers um, they might not have the understanding, but they know exactly what that is. They just might not know what it is or what it is called. So in retrospect, immediately my mind went, you know what? Thank God you didn't get that job because this isn't a place you want to work with anyway because they're too by the book. There's no leniency. They're not going to let you bend the rules when you have these brand new ideas. And my 
biggest, biggest advice for people applying for teaching jobs is always you're the boss too. You have the right to ask questions that are important to you. And if that district doesn't align with where you're at, you don't have to take the job. No, it's, you know, there are children on every square inch of this world that, and there are schools where you can teach everywhere. So look a little bit out of your backyard and find the building that aligns with you. That's right. I always say, and I tell the candidates this, you're interviewing us. And if TikTok has taught us anything, there are some difficult leaders to work for out there. So in the interview, why wouldn't you be taking the opportunity to ask us, what is our mission statement? What are our leadership values? How do we feel about uh, diversity, Black Lives Matter, LBGTQ? What are the supports we have for trauma-informed practice? Mm -hmm. I would love to have a conversation with you versus an interview. And I try and make it and often I'm very proud at the end when the, when the interviewee says, well, that went by really fast. It just felt like a comfortable conversation because I want to see what you're like as if I was a parent or a colleague. Mm -hmm. I have a rubric and I'm trying to find if you say certain things, that breaks my heart because not every school that teachers went to use the same word. This is why I did my Ada's Eisner project. Just the word substitute teacher is used 12 different ways around the world, but we're all talking about the same thing, a teacher that fills in for another teacher. That's not fair. That's not fair. And, and I, I don't want the big words thrown out because I, as a principal, might say, I don't know what they're talking about. What does that mean? Um, I would, I, to me, it's more about the essence of what you're trying to do. If we're talking about supporting students with special needs and you don't say IEP, I'm not going to pun it punish you for that. I might even say to you, what's your experience with an IEP? And if you don't know what that means, and I say an individual education plan, you go, oh, a 504? I'm like, now we know we have an issue. So, so this is, those are the kinds of interviews I want to see is more conversation based. The first job that I ever took, I literally walked out and I called my family and I was like, that was awesome. Like it felt natural. I felt a genuine connection with everybody at a table. And it was huge, by the way, there were 10 people on the panel and me. Yeah. Um, they were invested in me as a person. They were, and I was invested in them and they asked me personal questions and they even asked me very specifically about my um, training and credentials in math, which is my, my low yeah. my weakness, but they were, they were willing to work with me at that. And we talked about the opportunities and I left this interview and I was like, even if I don't get this job, that's what this should feel like. And Correct. that's when, you know, and I got the job and I actually had a few different offers on the table right now. The, that job was $15,000 less of an offer than, than my other offer but I took that job because it felt right. And let me tell you what, I'm so glad I did. That was the best job I ever had, the best school I ever worked at. Uh, Roosevelt Elementary in Kegel Harbor of West Bloomfield Schools on the border of Pontiac. Yes, that's where I got my start. And it made me feel totally at home. I gotta tell you this too, this is unbelievable. This is how, this is this shaped me as the teacher of who I am, right? School's getting ready to start. I decide I'm going to go in and start setting up my classroom. It's about two weeks earlier than the rest of the teachers. 
the rest of the teachers came in because they knew I was there and they were bringing armfuls of stuff that they weren't going to use anymore. Granted, a lot of that arm, that armfuls was shit, but it was offerings. They were like, here's some stuff. I'm not going to use your first year teacher. You're making like $32,000 this year. Like here's some free shit. I'm sure you can figure out how to use it. They helped me. Another teacher got the custodian's keys and we raided the supply closet together because she knew I would never be able to get that permission on my own. Like we were a family. And I, I immediately, I was like, this was right. My principal even like saw, she put on my first week of school, she's like, you know, based off of who I've gathered, who you are, here are some PD opportunities that I think would be great for you. Let me know which one you want me to do and we'll get it rolling. Like that's the shit. Vibe, vibe for me is key. If you're vibing in that interview, that's what you want to do. Yeah. If, if, you get, if you get an offer from a district that makes you feel bad about yourself, you don't have to take it. Yeah, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't. And, I, and I'm pretty transparent about the fact that I'm a tough cookie. I have very high expectations of people. But the opportunities that working with us would provide for you, if you're up to the challenge, if you're willing to work with some really fantastic people, if you want growth opportunities, then I'm your girl. But if you felt intimidated or holy smokes, um, you know, she walks around twice a day into the classrooms and that's uncomfortable for you, then don't take it. So I, I'm so happy you and I agree that it, it's, it's a yin yang situation. It has to be, you know why? Cause the children feel it. The children feel the intimidation or the unhappiness or the lack of collegiality. And that destroys their days. They don't see the fun. They don't see the engagement. They don't hear the teasing and the fun in the hallways. Kids love seeing teachers teasing each other, sharing things, um, challenging each other. That's what I'm looking for is that connection as a staff that you're going to, you're going to be this new family member for us. And I get to be grumpy old grandpa. I just want all the kids to be having a great time. So I, and I empower people, please ask at least one question about something about the school. That's I took a 50% pay cut to leave Canada to come to Gonzaga because of their mission statement of building competent global leaders. And that just so resonated with me as a human. And it's the best decision I've ever made. I love that. Doug Z, we are running out of time here. (laughs) But I just wanted to say that you are, I mean, you have that doc, that DR in front of your name for a reason. You're just like so incredibly well-versed in this. And on top of that, you're real and you're raw and you're so Funny. So let me just tell you guys to like, if you don't follow Doc Z already, you can go to her for just some laughs, if that's what you're into, some realness, but you can also go to her where she's going to lay the tea out for you in education. Okay, Dr. Zeisner, please yeah. tell us where can the people find you yeah. and do you have anything coming up that they should know about? Like, let us know all okay. things you. Okay, so I'm on Instagram. Uh, at with C. Zeisner, which is my name is Catherine Zeisner. TikTok is where a lot of people know me and I'm Dr. Zeisner. Um, the Pinterest board is Catherine Zeisner with all the resources from our lives. Um, and the big one for me professionally is my Twitter account. I am Principal Z, Z-E-D on Twitter. And I that's where I share a lot of resources, a lot of workshops. I do a lot of work with Microsoft. I have this wonderful opportunity where I do their keynote speaks for them on um, the class of 2030 and what we should be doing to prepare for the for kids sitting in grade three right now and more importantly reimagining education electronically through virtual learning so 
if you're depending on what you want do you want laughs and tears that's TikTok. if you want to sort of see my me and my cat that's instagram and if you want <laughs> professional stuff that's my twitter account um and my facebook that's kind of my family stuff so i don't add people there and then pinterest is our resource place so i'm just trying to um have opportunities for people to get to know me and all my you know I'm a little bit of a sibyl sometimes and i have lots of social media that addresses all of that God, I just love you. Thank you so much for making the time to be on and chat with us today. I am well, sure. You know, I, I love you and Morgan so much. And <laughs> Thank I you. I wish you guys the best, yeah. Oh, thanks so much, Doug Z. And uh, we'll see you next time. Okay, cheers. You guys, thanks so much for listening to the Social Studies Podcast. I appreciate you all so, so much. Again, tickets are available right now for the virtual back-to-school comedy show on September 13th. Get your tickets by going to www.mrdtimes3.com or just text the word SHOW to 1-313-251-1036. Either way, get your girls together. Get some wine in that living room and sit down and watch this. It's going to be a great way to start the school year because it's going to be one hell of a school year. I love you guys so much, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Try to catch me hollering at the moon.